I just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about one of the sponsors of our podcast, and that is 503 Sports. 503 Sports is a site very well known for their throwback merchandise for a multitude of leagues, whether it be, for example, the World League of American Football, the World Football League, or in our case, the Arena Football League. I mean, if you're looking for any type of throwback merchandise from those teams that don't exist anymore, whether it be shirts, caps, customizable jerseys that you can get your own name and number, Detroit Drive, San Jose Sabercats, what? They're the place that has them. And just for our listeners of the podcast, they have a special offer just for you. If you use the promo code ARENAFAN, when you check out, you'll get 10% off your very first order. So head over to 503-sports.com, use the promo code ARENAFAN, get 10% off, and you want to thank them for being a sponsor of AFL Tonight. And welcome to AFL Tonight, ArenaFan.com's weekly look at everything arena football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with my uh, handsome co-hosts, Ben Fretronale. Welcome, Bean Boy. Welcome back. Ah, uh, Good to be back, Timmy C. And thanks for calling me handsome. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I also believe that you are handsome. Aw, oh, you're making me blush. John Stark. What's going on, <laughs> fabulous fellas? Hey, John, another handsome boy. Yep. What's hey. going on? Uh, yeah, you know what? Weird week. I know Ben, you're back. I know you uh, you were in Albany this week. Ben, I know. Uh, sorry, which is Ben? You were in Albany. John, you were in Atlantic City. You guys were doing your thing. Um, wanted to be there. Wish I could, but I, I wasn't able to. But uh, uh, you were in Chicago, though, right, Ben? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I was doing a five day shoot in Chicago at Mars. The I was candy company. If you were there. Okay. Yeah. The Skittles, M and M's. I mean, it was it was it was an amazing experience um, directing there because we got basically got free Skittles, and that was that kind of fueled us for the entire duration of it. We also we actually got Skittles that are not even on the market. We got like spicy Skittles. I saw your Instagram post. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. wondering <laughs> the sweet heat, and let me tell you, they are disturbing. Oh really? But, yeah, I mean it's a weird thing. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? Uh, I, a lot of people liked them. I, I was mostly just upset. Okay. Um, by them, but you know, <laughs> people I like sour. Yeah, but it, it's weird. Sour and spicy are not the same thing. So when you when you're eating a spicy Skittle, it's mm-hmm. like it just feels like you're in the wrong department. But um, it was great though. It's funny you mentioned Mars. Is that I actually tried the uh, the the peanut m&ms uh jalapeno m&ms just recently oh yeah and yeah, they, that's another and they were i wasn't sure about them you know because i'm looking at the back of the uh, back of the ingredients guys and nowhere does it say jalapeno flavor <laughs> uh, like, you what? know their jalapeno business it's something it's like how can you fake heat in your mouth it just makes. Well, made I'll ask. I'll ask the boys. Strange chemical yeah, reactions. I know. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you, Ben. I saw your photo yeah. that you, your, your. Uh, I don't know what term uh, directors like yourself, and movie makers, used to do when you zoomed in to yourself on the bean. How the hell did you oh, do yeah. that? That was. If anyone wants to see this, go check out my Instagram yeah. at fraternally. I basically uh, shot it in slow motion. Okay. Um, walked because the bean is reflective this effect is very weird um if you 
start from far away from the bean and then literally just walk up to it and then like accelerate that motion. It looks like you're zooming into your reflection in a weird way. Um, so that's a little behind the scenes filmmaker tip. Yeah, that's for cool. all all the fans out there that are you know picking up a camera and saying, "Well, how can I do this?" Because I was you know? wondering. Well, there. Because when I saw it, it's like, okay, there's so many people there. I'm thinking, I'm one, I was just wondering how the hell he did it without, you know, just it would look like one take. You, you didn't, have to, you know, Ben wasn't pushing people out of the way. You know, right, right, that type of thing. So I picked my spot and hit the hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, John, uh, we you let uh, let us know this week that you had some good news. Uh, you you got your car back. I did, and it. Well, I got my car back for the second or third time now That's since the goose right. incident. <laughs> but now I've got it back for good, and it's got the proper grill, and everything is all set. Mm-hmm. And I went up to Atlantic City uh, over the weekend uh, and was at the Blackjacks Brigade game. And uh, it's just say, been... I've, I'm, Go ahead. I'm waiting for you to say that something happened to your car. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, please, no, he just got the thing no, fixed. No, everything's fine. Okay. No, I was just saying, I've been busy running back and forth between Atlantic City and work here, and it's been it's been nonstop for the last couple of weeks, but I, I've been enjoying it. That's good. And, and I think we, we started a GoFundMe, by the way, John, so we can get you that uh, uh, that that goose war wound sticker for your car. You know, you got to keep track of all those Canadian geese that you kill. That's right. We just need seven ninety five. That's seven dollars and ninety five cents. <laughs> <laughs> One low price, baby. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting week in the AFL. Um, many uh, the games were actually pretty good, even though considering that some of them were, uh, you know, some are a little low scoring. But I mean, and I think some games completely surprised us. Um, I think one of the first things that I wanted to talk about before we get to the actual recaps of the games, guys, um, is a couple of notes that uh, are going to be happening that happened a couple of weeks back, which I forgot to talk about, but also. There were some issues um, with streaming this week, um, and I—I I don't know if John, you were able to see anything. I know, don't know Ben if you were trying to. Actually, both of you guys were working, so I don't know if you checked out checked it out later. But um, it seemed that uh, uh, the international streaming that the league offers off their website wasn't working properly throughout the world. I, w- I reached out to Giancarlo in Italy. He said uh, the issues were okay this week. You know, last week they were a little bit sketchy. Um, uh, I, you, you could, they weren't working on the website, but they were working on the app. Uh, we did reach out to the league and, and hopefully that they're able to figure out if it is a geo-blocking issue, they'll be able to get that fixed, but at least for the website. But I think the biggest thing, though, was the quote-unquote ESPN quote-unquote outage for the Baltimore Atlantic City game. <laughs> quote unquote ESPN, quote unquote outage. Uh, yeah, unquote I, tried, Atlantic I, yeah, City. I kind of screwed up there. <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> AFL tonight. Quite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but th- there was a an outage where I guess for uh, the game was being played, uh, was being streamed on ESPN3, and then it just went blank. Uh, I came up with their, their you know, ESPN's normal thing. Uh, you know, there's a, something wrong with this broadcast, or the broadcast will be back momentarily, or whatever it is. It never did, it never showed up again. Um, and then we found out from the league that people reached out to the commissioner, et cetera, and he actually gave us some updates. And by the way, this, this, is, this is what I like about the new AFL guys is that how friend-friendly it is. If there's an issue, the commissioner or somebody will get back and actually put it out on social media. And 
they were talking what was it ben that they the, it was of course the secondary encoder oh, which is that what he, it was you okay. can't rely on the secondary encoder and they won't use that encoder again this season That's, yeah. and you either have to rely on the primary or the tertiary encoder right secondary is straight fool it's straight fool territory so i'm glad that they <laughs> rectified this and this won't happen again the secondary encoder is in the street is in the street on the street right now um i think i think they'll, they'll probably fix whatever happened you know yeah, whatever the, the secondary, so the secondary encoder, encoder has been placed in recallable reassignment. <laughs> <laughs> I need the air horn. Where's the air horn? <laughs> but so for, yeah, for what it sounded like too, yeah, that they used the same encoder for both games at three thirty for whatever. I guess that sounded like that was what the issue was, and uh, right. you know, th- you know, obviously thanks to the to the commissioner for for uh, updating all the fans and uh, letting us know that they you know they are listening and uh, uh, they wanted to, to update it as as best as possible. Um, I, one, of, one of the funny things I thought, by the way, because I was reaching out to uh, out to you, John, on uh, on Facebook Messenger, is we're talking about um, you know the replays of the game on on NBC Sports Washington, I think it was, and both these games, I think, uh, so people who missed the the Atlantic uh, the Atlantic City Baltimore game could watch it, but not only once, but they could watch it twice if they had that station on their cable network, couldn't they? <laughs> oh yeah, NBC Sports Washington had back to back to back to back replays. It's true, yeah. All day Sunday, yeah. yeah. So it's it was there. If you have the stations, you're able to watch it. But I mean, it's uh, it never did it ever show up on ESPN three? Because last time I checked, when I went to watch uh, a replay of the Albany game, I think it was, um, it wasn't listed as part of their replay. Have you guys gone to check and see mm-hmm. if it's there as of late? Or I have. It's still it's still not there. Yeah, I don't think it will be then. I don't think it will be. Okay. Oh well, it, it is what it is. Um, week six action, guys. Damn, we're already halfway through this, this regular season. It's absolutely crazy to, to say this, and we were, you know, we've been doing uh, this is what our twelfth show so far this year, and it's crazy to say that the you know the half the season's gone already. Um, but for the first time, we had the, the entire docket on Saturday was full of games. Um, first game we'll go to the game that you were covering, John, is the Baltimore Brigade and the Atlantic City Blackjacks. Um, score, I think, really is not indicative of how interesting this game was. Because if you usually hear of a 35-34 game, you, 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 I'm sure you could sometimes say, well, eh, the game sort of doesn't seem to be very exciting. John, that was not actually the case, was it? No, it wasn't. The The game was exciting. The drives were extra long. Uh, there were some some penalties, and the penalties were what were extending the drives as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlantic City won uh, on a blocked field goal with no time remaining. They won thirty-five, thirty-four. Stop that! <laughs> Thirty-five what? blocked kick. Yeah, blocked kick. It's a great blocked kick. There it's a great is. blocked kick. That is such a throwback to season one. Um, <laughs> thirty-five, thirty-four. Um, with the wind, uh, Atlantic City breaks their uh. Their home losing streak and, and, and improves to three and three. Baltimore drops to three and three in the season. Uh, what were your thought, guys, on basically having a scoreless fourth quarter? It's very rare that neither team score in the fourth. Ben, yeah, that's a first quarter thing. Usually, I yes. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a first um, quarter thing, or it's a right. uh, or it's a 2018 Washington Valor third quarter thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah it's it was uh, kind of unfortunate to see. Um, I think my sort of main takeaway from this game is I, I honestly can't really believe I'm saying this, but I think Randy Hippard is trending down this year. Um, 
I, I we I, I sort of was nervous about that early on. Mm-hmm. You know, he had like a two TD game in week right. two, and it's like, right. oh, is this indicative? Especially against Columbus. Um, but he hasn't really, you know, he hasn't balled out this year. Um, and yeah, he's been consistently uh, accurate. Um, that's sort of always his trademark. But he hasn't done the going Grady thing of you know throwing six or seven TDs. And uh, and then my takeaway from this, even though Atlantic City squeezed this out, is that that is what they will need down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they can beat Washington or or Albany without the ability to just completely light it up mm-hmm. late in games. Um, to match, I mean, they essentially matched Baltimore scoring throughout this game, but I mean, there was no opportunity to break away here. So that was definitely my takeaway from the game. And also just Shane Boyd being, you know, Shane Boyd. Well, it also too, it, it it took four, I think it was, uh, well, you know, where Baltimore was at the end of the game, it took, it was two straight plays to Joe Hills that were, uh, that were knocked down by Marvin Ross. And, and Marvin's not the, he's shorter than Joe Hills, right? I mean, it's, it, yeah. just, he was yeah. able to do what he needed to do to knock these balls away. And you could just tell by the look on Joe's face, Joe was not happy. You know, it's just the ball was not, just not getting to him. Um, right. But, uh, hey, it, they did what they needed to do. It's, it's funny. It's the second block field goal of the week. And we'll talk about the one uh, uh, the other in the other game coming up. Um, but Shane Boyd was 25 of 39, 207, 2 and 0. Uh, leading receiver uh, was Brandon Collins, eight receptions for 71 yards. Uh, then both Joe Hills and Milton Williams had 68 yards receiving. Uh, Milton Williams and Joe Hills had a receiving touchdown each. With Joe Hills' touchdown, he extended his uh, his league record streak uh, of a touchdown reception in 98 straight regular season games. We're coming up upon 100, boys. But... Uh, Joe Hills also had two rushing touchdowns, along with Rory Nixon, who also had one. Uh, Randy Hipper was 20 of 26, 237, 4 and 0. Leading receiver was Antoine Grant. He was at seven receptions for 111 yards. Uh, Kendrick Ings had 63 and a touchdown. Lamarck Brown had 43 and two TDs. And Rashad still got one also. Uh, also, uh, Wesley Mauya had a uh, had a rushing touchdown. Um any other th- any things that that since you were there, John, that that stood out in your mind from this game? Yeah, honestly, I really love this game, and I think the game is way better than the score shows. Tim, like you were saying earlier, uh, Atlantic City in the second half absolutely played the most lights out defense I've seen, kind of out of any team uh, this season so far. I mean, no score at all allowed to Baltimore. And I know I know Atlantic City didn't score either there, but they they matched and outplayed Baltimore's defense at the end of the game. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Ben, I don't know how much of the game that you saw, but I mean, uh, anything that you took away from it? Uh, I mean, my my vibe is that both of these teams. I mean, I, I love this matchup, and I think this will continue to develop as a really interesting uh, defensive battle mm-hmm. as we go forward. And I'm doubling down on my opinion, and I think we all agree that that Atlantic City has great weapons. Yes, and yeah. I would love to see them sort of ignite as a group and just put up a really high scoring game. And I think that's what I'm waiting for. And I think one one besides the uh, the blocked uh, field goal at the end of the game, I think one people are also forgetting too is that they would not have been in this situation, guys, uh, if TC Stevens had not. Had uh, did not miss that extra point on their touchdown with nine seconds left in the second quarter. So 
but not to take away from the game, though, um, 46-32, John, it, um, that seems to be they're training anywhere between 4,600 and about 5,200 uh, since the opener. Uh, how, was the, uh, how was the crowd for this game? I think the crowd was nice. It, it was uh, a bit more, a bit larger than the weekend before I was there for uh, Memorial Day weekend. And um, I think they're they're drawing a good attendance, and I think it's going to continue to grow. What's the energy like in there? Yeah, it seems they they really do understand the game. They they really vibe with the players and the team, and they get loud when the when the defense tells them to get loud. Right. Things like that are going on. They they seem to be really knowledgeable football fans. And so many of them stay afterwards for the autograph signings and to take pictures with the players and to talk with them, congratulate them. That's cool. I, I think they've got a really good fan base and they're building a really good organization. And obviously the, uh, the huge plus uh, this time around because we talked about it last week, John, is that they got the clock right in the second half. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, second game of the week, and I think this was the, it was the very first ever game that Albany's had at this time. I, I think it's the very first ever 3 o'clock start. Ben, I think you and I would – am I right in saying that? I don't think it did. Yeah. I think it, no, they it, were the classic 7 p.m. Yeah. Uh, that was like the, they were always night games, which I think everybody loves in Albany. But what the, it was what was cool. the arena bowl though back in '99? I'm trying to remember what what time that started at. That was oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. I think that may have been a 4 p.m. start. Okay, okay. Um, Albany goes into the game as the only undefeated team in the league, uh, going up against the Washington Valor, who again I think their hashtag this year of unfinished business is basically geared towards the Washington Valor. <laughs> uh, going going into this game, um, you know, last week I had mentioned that. Uh, Albany really needed to control, based on what uh, Columbus did the week prior. They needed to control how uh, D, what DC did on offense. Uh, you know, for for most of the game, they did a pretty good job. Uh, they did end up coming away. By the way, I, I was dead on. By the way, on this one, they ended up winning by ten, fifty-eight, forty-eight. The game really isn't that score is really misleading in my opinion to what the game was actually like. Is uh, at one point Albany led by twenty-five points, if I remember correctly, uh, almost blowing. They almost blew a 25 point lead until they uh were able to score a uh, i think it was a field goal to uh sorry a, a touchdown uh to go ahead by 10 um 58 48 uh arvell nelson was 20 of 41 240 excuse me 247 and zero leading receiver was doug mcneil the third uh 124 yards and four tds he went off uh leading reception uh, leader was uh desmond epps he had six. Uh, the other touchdowns went to Reggie Gray. He's back on the board, two for uh, uh, two touchdowns on two receptions, and Josh Reese with one. Uh, for the Albany Empire, Tommy Grady, 19 to 29, 249, seven and one. Leading receiver, no surprise. Malachi Jones, seven receptions, 124 yards, two TDs. But Quentin Sims went off, uh, six receptions, 89 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Michael Benson also had a receiving touchdown himself. On a, on a nifty play. And uh, also Malachi had himself a rushing touchdown. Um, from uh, what, I know, Ben, you were there. Uh, what, what was mm-hmm. your, what was your, your gauge on this game? Well, my feeling about this game going into it was that uh, I love how electric Washington has been on offense. Yeah. And Albany is the gold standard right now on, to me, both sides of the ball. So this was an extremely interesting matchup just from the perspective of when you project forward, 
Um, this, these may these teams may meet again, and and I mean it'd be amazing if they met again in the playoffs, considering what happened last year. And so I was looking for can Washington keep up with Albany because keeping up with Albany is the only way to beat them. That maybe goes without saying, but at the end of a game, taking a lead. And you're right. There was a certain point at this game, you know, toward the end of the third quarter where it was like, all right, well, this sucks. You know, this game (laughs) did not turn out the way I hoped um, just in terms of competitiveness. But then I saw and I think we all saw exactly what Washington's capable of and exactly what we have wanted to see out of the sport this season, Mm -hmm. which is just just bombs after bombs across the field. I mean, Doug McNeil just absolutely went off. Quentin Sims was incredible to watch. You know, two of his touchdowns were jump balls. Um, oh, I know. And yeah, it was incredible. Which you I got mean, great it, it was, footage. Which you got great footage yeah. up, by the way. Right. No, I. I was. I mean, it's amazing to watch that in slow motion. Um, but I think this game was extremely enjoyable from that perspective. Once it really took off, and I, I wish it had taken off earlier because once we were midway through the fourth quarter, especially the beginning of the fourth quarter where they got within eleven points, um, it, it was it suddenly felt like Washington could potentially win the game. And seeing both QBs just drop seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. I mean, this was exactly what we want to see out of arena football. And, you know, who knows if, if there were one-minute timing rules, whether we would have seen something else happen at the end of this game. But uh, I, I was really satisfied with just how it played out from that perspective. And I think, once again, it's obvious Albany is just – they're just in another world right now. Yeah, it, it was – at the end of the third, I mean, Albany was up by 18. As I said, it, it, almost, it looked like a blowout. It really did, yeah. but, but then all of a sudden, they, you know, Washington comes back. They did what Washington has been doing ever since Arvell Nelson's been with his team. They found a way to do it, and it at, at some point, it looked really scary. You know, was, Al- yeah. was Albany going to lose this game? You know, they were able to hold it and, uh, and, uh, and obviously win the game to, and to move on to 6-0. and But, yeah, uh, I mean, John, did you, did you, from the footage you saw in the, uh, what, the game you saw, did you, uh, what, what did you take away? Well, I got time to rewatch all the games this week, actually. And um, you guys said it pretty well, but uh, this game was gas. There was so much scoring in this <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, it was so fun. Yes, it oh, was. man, really. And I'm glad that this game was like this. We need more scoring like this this year, especially. Uh, yeah, Ben, like you said, had the timing rules been thrown back a year or two to what they used to be? Maybe Washington, would they come back and overtake Albany and win this game. I mean, it's very likely look at the yeah. third, look at the third quarter alone. Once McNeil got fired up, I mean, there was no stopping him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think Washington should be, if we had like a power rankings right now, Washington would be in that number two spot. Yeah. That's my thinking too. Yeah. And as, uh, uh and one thing I, you know, we were, we were looking, I was mentioning it before, uh, there was also another uh, block kick in this game. Um, it was <laughs> at, at 442 of the second quarter. Um, this is at the point where Albany was dominating. At the point they were up, to, it was 21-12, and it seemed to be, you know, the game looked to be in, in good hands for the umpire. Uh, they had stopped uh, D.C. Uh, very deep in their own end. But but then something, guys, that we have not seen. I think I don't think I've seen a, 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 a an attempted field goal of this long since uh, well before the league came back in in uh, 2010. 
Uh, I mean, they go and they try to attempt a 62-yard field goal. What? I mean, you know, the league record is, is 63. It's so tight there now in the end zones uh, since Albany has squared off the end zones. There was no way. Uh, it was bound to be blocked. And you know what? That it Really, that two points, the two points really did help Albany because they were able to get the ball back and score right before right before the half, weren't they, Ben? Well, here's my thinking on this play. I, I love this play. And I was, I was very disappointed in the result because as we were talking about uh, with Mark – um, and, and off mic, you know, the AFL used to have this as part of their strategy. If you were backed up, the risk of a safety, um, was higher just in taking a snap than it was mm-hmm. to attempt essentially what is a punt uh, across the field off the back of the net or however far you can kick it. And it was like, oh man, this is so cool. It's like a throwback, you know, uh, we're seeing this again. And then it just duffed like right off a hand yeah. and bounced over the wall. And I was just like, oh, come on. You know, I don't honestly <laughs> think they were attempting to make this field goal. I just think it was like a cool sort of throwback attempt to get the ball out of the end zone because this year we have seen a lot of safeties um, in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly know why. I think the defensive lines for every team is, are extremely good and that's part of it. But um you know, it was fun to see, and I was just disappointed in the result. And I, I, I don't know if just no one will try this again the rest of the year, but it, it was, it was nice while it lasted. Well, I, I don't know. It makes me wonder why, because you know, as you know, really now the the league has become a, a go forward and fourth down type of thing, and where, no matter where you right. are in the field, and I don't know, it was it. It just seemed like this was a, a a give up type of thing on this on just on this one particular play because I mean they, I'm sure they could have tried a deep route and, and try to get it even if it got incomplete but yeah right I, I mean the, I guess the concern was that they would just instantly have given Albany another score mm-hmm. and at that juncture in the game that was like an unacceptable result well in, in essence to they, that play in, in essence they did and of course <laughs> they did much faster than they expected yes yeah for sure I, I'm also trying to remember the last time that there were two actual blocked field goals in a single game in AFL history I think it's been a while yeah, it's one thing I haven't been a while I, in a, in a, I don't think it's been that long I think it's been a lot longer than we think I said it's been a while it's like a while. I've yeah. sung it yeah Oh. Like that was like a stained reference. Yeah, it was a stained reference. Oh, okay. It's been a while. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Albany becomes the 21st team in AFL history to start the season at 6-0. and uh, The last time since the uh, Philadelphia Soul did in uh, 2017. Um, I, again, we're, we can talk about they're going to try to go on to, on to 7-0 and uh, next week. Um, but uh, needless to say, uh, I think, guys, it's fair, is it fair to say that considering what Albany had – Almost blowing a twenty-five point lead, uh, I'm sure. Um, the, I'm sure the coaching staff is going to make sure that they they concentrate on certain things this week to make sure that doesn't happen again. Is that fair to say, John? Yeah, I'd say so. I okay. mean, with the way they're coaching and playing this year, they're trying to make no mistakes. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the last game of the week, the, the Columbus, the winless, the Columbus destroyers are heading into Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia themselves was also trying to break a streak of their own. Uh, their three game losing streak. Um, well, Columbus, it continued. Uh, f- they dropped the, the contest to Philadelphia 47, 35. Um, I, I think that really the question here, guys, is, is considering how banged up that Philadelphia was, John, are you surprised in how poor we can say how poor Columbus did play? Well, yes and no, because Philadelphia is not very banged up on defense. Mm. And That's fair. Uh, That's fair. They, they kept Columbus in check most of the game. 
including the one of those first series. I think Romaine had a pick six yeah. on like the first or second pass. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's that's true. That's true. And I know. I think uh, Coach Sock was talking about the game uh, on this week's um, uh, Battle Stations pod about how it basically was a turnaround where they they tried to go for something. I think it was a fumble. Was it a fumble? Uh, and a fumble and a recovery. I'm trying to double check here. Um, two interceptions. Uh, but either way, he said that that's basically what that was the the 14 point turnaround right there. Yeah, it was when they were it was 1914. And I think you had to do it in the third quarter. But um, for uh, for Columbus, uh, Grant Russell was 19 of 32, uh, 267, 3 and 2. Uh, leading receiver for the team was Tony Stevens. Uh, five receptions, 98 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. Uh, uh, Fabian Guerra also had 73 uh, yards, but he was held scoreless. Paul Browning, a newly acquired Paul Browning. Uh, got a touchdown in his first game with the uh, with the destroyers, and they uh, uh, Gara also had sorry Grant Russell also had a rushing touchdown, as did Nick Seether. Uh, Philadelphia Dan Radabaugh fifteen to twenty six two twenty two six and zero. Lonnie out excuse me sorry a uh, B J Bunn there's a great name great football <laughs> name B J Bunn led the team with ninety four yards receiving. Uh, and uh, had two touchdowns. Darius Prince also had two TDs. Uh, Lonnie Outlaw led the team with receptions with uh, six and also had a score. Um, considering how banged up they were going into this game, and again, if I'm not mistaken, I think money started on the defensive side of the ball, Ben. Um, mm. I guess their makeshift crew of wide receivers seemed to do quite well for them, didn't it? Yeah, um, I, I think that, unfortunately, I mean, I, I think that Philly is always, they're sort of like, Sort of like the Patriots in a way. <laughs> they can sort of plug and play in a sense. Um, I think they have such good coaching that they never really suffer from uh, depletion issues. You know, the, the Soul have been a little bit up and down the last two years, but in general, uh, they've they've been okay when something like that happens. They're just very good. I mean, they have really good recruiting, to be honest. I mean, we we thought this year they were going to be much weaker with the amount of young players they had, but look, these players are doing well, and and the vets are stepping up. So. I look at this game as just more so upsetting <laughs> in terms of seeing Columbus. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, basically, they're like the valor of, of t- uh, 2000, what, 17, 16? I can't remember what year 17. that was. 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not what I wanted to see happen. And um, it, it's just difficult because because this game, to me, was like a great opportunity to bounce back for them, as you were saying, Tim. I mean, there was obviously weaknesses – uh, for Philly and Columbus consistently shows potential on both sides of the ball and then flounders it. And it was like, okay, maybe this is the week they pick it back up. And mm-hmm. now, now I don't know what game you could possibly pick them to win yeah, for the rest of the year, because this is just, you know, what can you say about them? I, I, another interesting stat too, is that Columbus almost held the ball for 10 more minutes and they lost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, I'm sure it's very frustrating for, for Columbus fans. I mean, it's, um, you know they had they were so close last week, and it makes me wonder, guys, if that you know that that walk off last week and that heartbreak last week versus Washington you know, may, was it the final straw for the team? To, you know we're almost there, we're almost there, and then it's basically a snatch from them. Um, it, it you know it as you said, Ben, it's going to be it is tough to look at the schedule and see when they may get their their, their first win of the season. I mean, is it possible that that this Columbus Destroyers team is? Don't gonna, say it. 
is going to match the other Columbus team in AFL history to go winless, which the the you know the Columbus Thunderbolts. So don't say it, Tim. <laughs> You've now cursed them. No, I think they cursed themselves. <laughs> I unfortunately think it's possible, and that is so depressing because it is. You know, they have vets on this team that have been on very successful teams and are great players. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in the AFL where rosters are so small, where you know, the team just does not come together. I'm curious, though, having having seen what happened to the Valor last year, the Valor looked hopeless at the beginning of last year. Yes. I think, you know, we all thought, oh, yeah. oh gosh, is this team going to win, uh, you know, three games this year? Um, well, wait a <laughs> minute. They did. Happened. They did. But, that, of course, that <laughs> ended up happening. But um, there there was a turnaround. I don't know whether a firing of, of, of a coach in a, in a franchise's first season is ever going to happen, but – there could be some sort of shift at quarterback that injects the team with energy. You know, I wouldn't write that off yet. I definitely, up until this week, was a firm believer that Grant Russell had what it takes and should at least see a full season of action. And I think Matt Salk, up until this week, uh, w- would say that same thing, was that we're going to keep running him out there because this guy obviously is good. He's just not adjusted yet. Mm-hmm. And now I think we've reached the threshold of, well, I don't know if that's the thing you can really say anymore. And I don't know whether this is going to actually get better. Um, in, in an inaugural season when you need to put out a good performance for fans, otherwise you're going to just lose their interest. Yeah. So I can see behind the scenes, they, wheels must be turning right now to figure out what they can do to inject energy into this team. Yeah. John? It's kind of hard to follow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That was a... I mean that was that was. I know I think um, it was per- I think it was perfect. I think it was perfect. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it like that. Okay. What? By the way, Ben, we didn't so we didn't talk to you about it last week. What's your thought of having money playing? Uh, playing? Is he playing Mac? Yeah. Um. Well, no, he's Jack. He's in the box. He's Jack. Okay. But yeah. you know, um, our our theory, John and my theory, was that he wasn't 100 percent, and they're trying to bring him back. Also, right. that they're maybe having issues on on before the you know before the receipt you know Washer went down and, and and Outlaw went down last week. Um, they needed some help on the defense, and right. they're just trying to. I thought personally thought it was really weird because uh, easing someone back in by putting them on defense is uh, is weird. I mean, I, I guess Jack linebacker is a, le- a lower impact position in terms of taking hits on every play, so that wasn't exactly happening. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say let's ease him in by having him you know play out of position essentially and tackling players. You know, the the risk of injury is pretty high other than the fact that he wasn't going full speed and he ended, up, go- he ended up going iron man anyways near the end of the game because right. they he lost the last wide receivers by the right. way just to mention to uh, to fans who are curious to know uh with today's transactions uh, aaron washa has been reactivated from league suspension um i i think you know i could be wrong john but i i think my uh my theory on why he was placed on 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 the on league suspension possibly is true but uh uh, well, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Also, to add one more thing to yeah. this money Reynolds situation, so back on May 20th, uh, around his, I guess reactivation, mm-hmm. we saw uh, Lenroy Neesmith get reassigned and picked up by Baltimore. So that was like kind of a corresponding move aside with uh, a money too. True. Huh. Interesting. Maybe yeah. they're, maybe they're having a little bit more problems on, on defense because because they the soul did something recently on money they had the, or somebody did it was either the soul or, or uh, a social media team did something on money and hadn't he played defense before or had played defense before before playing in the arena league I'm trying to remember what it was I don't know Ben do you remember You're talking about Neesmith sorry I was, no uh, we're talking about money 
Oh, money. Uh, nah, he, he definitely didn't play. De- I don't think he played defense at Iowa State. Because I remember them saying that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm thinking. Of, I know they did something on him, a story on him. So I don't. Right, right, right. I don't know. I don't know. Let me, well, let me just quickly look it up while we keep talking. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, but um, oh, what, how about this? Let's do this. Uh, while we'll follow up with that in a couple of minutes here. Uh, but we did happen to speak with uh, Mark Lewis, uh, who is the Atlantic City uh, Blackjacks kicker. Uh, we invited him on the show to talk about uh, him holding now the uh, holding a, a very prestigious uh, record in the Arena Football League. Talk about his career and uh, what he thinks about the city of, uh, of Atlantic City. So uh, we will speak with Mark, and when we get back, we'll continue with the show. And then on the line with us now is the gentleman who, in week one of this, this current season, uh, became the all-time points leader for a kicker in the Arena Football League. We have the GOAT on the line with us, Mr. Mark Lewis. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Now, um, is I know we only tweeted out on social just just this week uh, talking that you are now the all time you know all time points leader. Uh, had you known that already? Is that something you keep track of as a player, or did had did it surprise you when you when you saw the information? It totally surprised me. I kind of lost track and I didn't know it happened. Um, you know, I was just in the zone week to week, game to game, and didn't even realize it happened. Yeah, it's it's something it's uh, I feel I, I, I'm something that we should have sent out in week one, but it's um, you went up against a, a little bit with with Remy. How, when it comes to both of you as yeah. kickers, um, uh, was it well and all kickers? Do you have a, a, a nice rivalry between you guys because it's you know you, you are an integral part of the game itself? But um, how was it the, the when it came to going up a, a fellow kicker each week? Yeah, you know. Um... I approach it as a one-on-one match, and I'm trying to win that matchup every week. So whoever I'm facing, I'm just trying to go out there and, and a, do my best. Because if I can just go out there and do what I can do, that's 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 all I can do. So I just go out there and just go one kick at a time, mm-hmm. and, and and just focus on the little things like that. Okay. Um, for for those who don't know about you, I mean, you've been in this league for quite a long time. I think you, Atlantic City is your ninth team in uh, 15 years that you've been in the league. Um, mm-hmm. How did you how did you get started as a kicker? For those who don't know, yeah, it's a, it's actually a funny story. Uh, I didn't play any college football or anything like that. And when I was in high school, a friend of mine got two free tickets to the Orlando Predators game, and I went saw that game and absolutely fell in love with arena football. You know, I, I watched the outdoor game, but it just it didn't, uh, you know, appeal to me. And then with the arena game and the fast pace, high scoring, guys going over the wall, mm-hmm. and actually kickers, you know, causing turnovers, possess gaining extra possessions for the team. You know, it was something the arena league was able to do that the outdoor couldn't do. So I, I just fell in love with it, and uh, you know, I went on and played two years of college soccer, and then I found a, a kicking coach by the name of Doug Blevins. Uh, he was a kicking. Uh, consultant for nfl europe and then he was with the miami dolphins uh i think the jets minnesota vikings things like that i went down there trained with him and then he got me uh my foot in the door in the arena league uh, it seems it seems funny you said you said one of the first games you saw was the orlando predators and it just so happens to be that that was the team that you actually spent the longest amount of time with how is it that being such a good kicker as we've seen over your career that you have basically just been in single mostly single seasons with with particular teams before you get to orlando i mean you seem to be as i said you're almost money when it comes to kicking how Mm -hmm. is it that you only stayed you know how why did you move around so much 
Well, um, you know, my brother called me the closer. It seemed like every team I went to ended up folding that next year <laughs> or something like that. So, but, um, you know, it, it, I don't know why or how or whatever, but, um, you know, I got to see plenty of places, played in multiple venues. So I, I got to see the country, and, and that was pretty cool on that side. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say the closer. We were joking with Coach James when we had him on uh, during, <laughs> yeah. the, during the preseason. He's like, uh, he was kind. Of, he's kind of the same as a head coach. So you know what? It's kind of good. I guess you guys are canceling each other out this year. So <laughs> Atlantic City will, will last a little bit longer. So um, John or Ben, you have anything for Mark? Well, I just it's worth saying now that Mark's talking about his backstory that you can actually watch mm. uh, Mark discuss his backstory in The Kicker. Uh, docu-series episode that I did with Mark and uh, he talks about his backstory and philosophy and um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure any any AFL fan w- w- would like to check that out um, so Mark um, during the documentary we didn't really get to talk about the current trends in the AFL um, and, and I'm curious about your thoughts on them I mean onside kicks a couple years ago I think they completely took over the league. It became insane. And you were sort of the man. I mean, you're, you're the guy who everyone knows is, is sort of the chief of the onside kick. And I think a lot of players learn from you. And you're, you've been, uh, from what I understand, pretty willing to dole out um, you know, advice. And, and mm-hmm. you've always been sort of an advisor in the league. So I'm curious what you think about the trend. I mean, I know you obviously like to go out there and try to get, you know, you know, get the ball back immediately. But do you think that it's trending down? Do you think that the success of the onside kick is trending down? Uh, you know, in the arena league, it's a little different, you know, because you got the, the one minute or the 30 second now. So you're right. trying to do, you know, the extra possession, getting it back out of half, uh, trying to get that two for one. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going up or down or if it's just staying the same. But if it was up to me, I, I would do it every time. You know, I, I, would, I would play those odds. Um, you know, because you're given, even if you don't get it, you're kind of giving them in that four down territory. So it's either hit or miss. What do you think about those new timing rules? <laughs> I, I don't like them. I don't like them. Yeah, it's just it's just something that you've grown accustomed to playing for so long and you're used to a certain style of play and all of a sudden it gets switched up on you real quick and that clock just goes and goes and goes pretty quick. So uh hopefully you, you got a good offense and they're, they're scoring and keeping you keeping you loose by kicking extra points and some kickoffs but uh you know it can get lonely in that box when your offense doesn't score right yeah and you've been around too uh mark with such a transition from how field goals used to be a thing on fourth down to mm-hmm. now they are like almost like few and far between how is how have you been able to adjust uh, basically not being on the field as much as he used to be uh, uh, before the uh, before you know pre two thousand eight? Yeah, uh, I remember when I first started. You know, I was attempting thirty five, forty uh, field goals a season, and now I'm down to three, four. Uh, this year I have none on the season, which is which is fine. You know, I don't I don't care about that kind of stuff. But you know, I'm just out here trying to win football games and just waiting on my number to be called. Um, but you know, that's, that's arena football. You know, if you're kicking field goals, you're losing games. So you want to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the 62-yard attempt last week? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I, I didn't even see it, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it, for, well, for those, yeah it, it essentially used to be a part of the game where if you're really backed up. Um, yeah, exactly. It's almost like punting. Yeah. Like that was the way that was the way it was described to fans. It was like, well, there's no punting in the game, but they may just attempt a really long field goal yeah. that they know will go off the rebound nets. But last week, that finally came back out, and it ended up in a safety. 
Yeah, they were yeah, backed yeah. up into the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happened happened in the, in in Albany. Mark uh, DC tried it. Okay. And you know, unlike in the old days where Albany used to have you know an open end zone, you could tell that mm-hmm. their kicker was really up against the boards and it it got right. blocked. I mean, for those who you know fans who don't know, I mean the the longest uh, field goal made in AFL history is sixty three yards. So them them trying at sixty two is really pushing it also. So it's yeah, but it, it but you know yeah. The game's yeah. most people don't realize that that crossbar is fifteen feet high too. So mm-hmm. that particular thing right. has to be longer than the average 62 yards so yeah John? That, that's impressive if somebody can do it yeah absolutely so if uh people aren't aware yet i've been going up to atlantic city for the league and doing photography for the blackjacks and spending time up there and i've been taking some photos of mark doing his thing if you want to see them they're out there so this brings me to my question mark what's it like playing for this new expansion team in atlantic city in this old historic venue and having all these new fans and being right there Mm -hmm. on the boardwalk how is that compared to the past yeah i mean it's a great atmosphere i mean i played out in vegas uh one year with coach james actually and it reminds me of a, a, a little Vegas, you know, uh, the nightlife, the atmosphere, um, you know, the h- historical arena is, is pretty cool to practice in and to play in. Um, but yeah, it's just, we got, we got a great group of, of teammates up here, great group of guys. And, uh, we're just out spreading the word in the community, trying to build up the fan base and they're doing a great job here. So I'm enjoying it. Awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, have you noticed that uh, any, any, anything different compared to some of the other teams that you were in the past? I mean, whether it be from the fans itself, well, a being an expansion club, but anything from whether it be the, uh, something you've noticed within the venue or the fans or anything else that, that stuck out in your mind since you've been down in AC? No, but there, there's been some talks of them kind of like in the party zone behind the end zone area, uh, maybe putting some, um, some gambling games, you know, craps or blackjack or, or something like that and kind of, tweak it a little bit maybe giving away blackjack gear instead of real money um maybe even betting on the fan duel but uh i think that would be kind of cool to actually bet on a game that you're at oh, you I, know kind of get more more into it yeah so i, I hope it's kind of in the works and uh, and do something a little different yeah i, I know you guys are, are bound by that new the new betting agreement uh within the league but guys can you yeah. can you see the uh the new touchdown celebrations now where a, play, a player goes into the party zone and pretends to roll the dice. and, and... <laughs> um, Delay of game. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys remember in Orlando, they had the, the hot tub back oh, behind the end. Yes. So I, a couple guys made a, made a trip to the hot tub. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do know from, I know you, you've, you know, you you and Coach James are quite close, and I know that you have. You know, he's he's been a coach for you for for a little bit. Um, I also did hear that he invited you up while he was in Saskatchewan to uh, to mm-hmm. introduce yourself, I guess, to the kickers of the Canadian Football League. I just wanted to know real quickly because I know we're talking about the AFL, but I wanted to find out uh, what was the trip like to Regina. And uh, I mean, you are I don't know how many of the guys happen to know who you were, but. Uh, what was the impression that you got from and the the uh, you know the the information that you gave them? Yeah, uh, the experience was great. You know, it was my first time uh, being up in Canada and experiencing that and the different rules in the field. Uh, but you know, I, I had fun. It, they brought me up in there to work with their uh, their kicker on onside kicks. So I got up there and I sh- 
was able to show him a few things, um, just kind of network a little bit. And, you know, kind of that's going to be my next, next avenue in life is, is being a kind of kicking consultant type person. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here sh- sharing my knowledge. Okay. This uh, is an interesting segue. Wait, I have a quick question. So I think Tim, correct me if I'm wrong yeah. and maybe I'm mispronouncing this. Donald De La Hay, the uh, mm-hmm. the YouTube kicker that that made yeah. it to the to Toronto. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was. It's sort of an interesting concept. I mean, the other day I fell down this rabbit hole of like kicker Instagram yeah. accounts. <laughs> um, they, I mean, it's amazing. Even when we made the documentary a couple years ago, it wasn't mm-hmm. as big as it is now. I mean, I, I, Brian Jackson's Instagram account is absolutely crazy. I mean, he has like yeah. a rabid fan base. Yeah, um, yeah. How have you, I mean, you've obviously gotten into the trick shots and, and how have you sort of adapted to this new world and what do you think of it, of like just oh, the man. social media presence? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I knew about it a little bit longer ago because, you know, I had some pretty <laughs> cool stuff that I did back in the day that I just never, never videotaped. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to work with Donald. Uh, you know, I do camps with Brian uh, during the off season with the national kicking ranking system that uh, he put together with Chris Hughesby and, um, Tom Feely, uh, great group of guys, great kicking coaches. And, um, you know, I actually did a couple trick shots with Donald, uh, when oh, he was at awesome. UCF, I, I kind of worked with him and I showed him the onside kick as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just here having fun. Uh, no, Ben happened to bring it up and I was going to ask you about that. So it seems that, you know, yourself, Adrian Trevino and also, uh, um, uh, Craig is mm-hmm. you guys are playing the uh, AFL's version of horse. Um, oh, also, it seems to be one upping one upping each other. Was this did this just start? I don't know if you would call if we wanted to call this a contest, but do you know did this have any? You guys plan to do this type of thing, or is this just something nah, that, nah. that started? It's just something that uh, started. Um, you know, I was doing trick shots years ago, uh, but uh, Adrian kind of got into it. Uh, few years back as well and, and craig just started getting into it but I, I think it's all good just creating content to attract people to our league and, and kind of show them what we can do you know because mm-hmm. there are a lot of talented kickers down in this league and some of them should be playing on sundays i i i think i i smell a halftime show com- coming up at arena bowl uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or the next next youtube version of dude perfect and i i have to ask right. you, mark the video that we saw was it the first try, or did it happen in multiple takes? Because, <laughs> it, because it, it your cameras it was your, your, not the first try. <laughs> your cameras were set up perfectly. So yeah, yeah, well, I've done it before. <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, we, it, it took me ten minutes. I had uh, took four four sets. We had seven balls per set, uh, but it was a total blind shot. I, I couldn't see the actual hoop. Oh, I, I just wow. I just put I put the hoop in between the upright, so I knew if I was. That center of the upright, I had a, a shot at it, and sure. it was just getting lucky in a way. It was it, it was a complete swish. I mean, it was yeah, it, <laughs> it was really 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 cool. Um, John, I think the last question for me is: Are we going to see another trick shot uh, sometime this season? <laughs> I mean, I, I could, but a lot of them are. I, I need some new material because I got a lot of old ones <laughs> that you know I, I've done that are, are awesome. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, I did the stadium kick into the the uprights when I was in Orlando, uh, but it's just trying to think of new material. So, if anybody out there has anything they want me to try, please uh, comment. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That'd be really cool yeah. to see. I was about to say, dude, perfect. That's nothing on you, man. They don't have anything <laughs> on you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ben. 
Oh, uh, I was I was going to say the same thing as John. I'm just curious whether you like, you know, lay awake at night designing new kicks. <laughs> There's been some nights where I have, yeah. <laughs> I can't. But, I don't but blame it, you. It's I mean, cool it's, to, to see a vision and to kind of like, oh, let me try to pop a ball over my house and into a trash can, and then actually do it. You know, right? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see it see it come come forward. Yeah. And it's an art form. Yeah, it is. Oh, for sure. Well, I, I think you know, with the with the arena league uh, uprights, it throws a whole new, th- you know, whole new interest into this trick shot because, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you know, you could have a kicker just as you said trying to get it into a into the uh, into a garbage can, but yourself, you're you're throwing this extra little thing into it where it's mm-hmm. from you know kicking nine feet wide, et cetera, From there, so yeah, um, yeah. My last question to you, Mark. When we we know you're 40 years old, oh, I mean, but, but you're, okay. you're you're long, you know, you're on within a list of, of kickers like Lupus Agli in the CFL, Martin Anderson of the NFL, who have had such a long career. What do you? Why do, why so much longevity in your in your career? Uh, you know, I work on my flexibility a lot. You know, I got a Pilates machine at my house, so I'm I'm real flexible. But you know, the the kicking swing is a lot like golf. You know, it, it's one swing. And, and once you have it down, it's just muscle memory and, and repeating it. And, you know, there's a lot of golfers. There's this, you know, PGA Tour, the Senior Tour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's plenty of people that are above 40 that are still playing golf. But it, it's just, you know, I'm not taking hits, that many hits, I should say. Um, but, you know, it just helps your body out not getting it banged up every single play. That's, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, we're, we're seeing some, some hits this year so far from kickers. I mean, kickers are players, too, and they're <laughs> – they're making I, I had a tackle last game. Yeah. I had a tackle last game. <laughs> yeah. um, so. If if uh, people, Mark, want to follow you on social media, how would they do so? Uh, Twitter is kicker at kicker Mark Lewis. Uh, on Instagram is Mark Lewis Kicking, Perfect. as well as Facebook. And uh, obviously, uh, you guys will be on the road for, for four more games. I know that's going to be before you head guys head back home, but uh, we want to wish you the best of luck. And uh, I think all three of us would love to see not only yourself in the playoffs, but to see an expansion club uh, be in the final four for the for the road to Arena Bowl 32. You guys got it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think you mentioned this, Ben, when we uh, when we just finished the interview with with Mark. I mean, that's, that was that was a very entertaining interview, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome to hear from the goat, and uh, and he's just such a great guy, and he's always very honest, and and he's a mentor to a lot of people in this league, mm-hmm. and and uh, and it's it's always great to have someone like that still around from the old days. I know me and you definitely appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, that, that's what I love about the interviews with the with the guys from the Arena Football League. It's they love talking about the sport, and it's you know it's less. Uh, uh, less media answers and it's more more f- stuff from the heart. Right. That type of right, thing. exactly, so, yeah. I love that type of stuff. Um, uh, it being week six last week and going into week seven, we wanted to uh, uh, at least give our mid-season awards uh, for the crew here at AFL tonight. And uh, we're not going to go over all of them uh, that they, the league does every year, but we're going to go over rookie, MVP, wide receiver, defensive player, coach of the year, um, I think we'll go uh, person by person by person. Or, I mean, I'll go Ben, John, me, et cetera, et cetera, like we do for DraftKings. Right. Um, but I think uh, let's start with probably one of the uh, biggest, probably contested uh, uh, positions um, would be defensive player of the year. You guys didn't expect me to start there. But defensive. No, I, I, <laughs> that is the most interesting category, <laughs> in my is, opinion. The, the defensive player of the year. Uh, Ben, which way are you heading? 
I have possibly a weird pick here. Well, it's not weird because he's fantastic. It's Varmasoni. Um, okay. It's weird because he's on a losing team, but of all the DBs in this league, he's you know he's not leading the league in interceptions, but we also have a small counter uh, sample size. He has, I think, the second most tackles in the league, and, and the reason I, I, I think Varmasoni is so important uh, this year is because he's he's such an important figure on this defense. This this fresh defense, this expansion team, this struggling team, uh-huh. and he is such a glue that I think without him they'd be in, in much worse trouble, you know, as weird as that is to say. But um, I, I think he's really holding it down and is probably going to be overlooked because of the what the Columbus is doing this year, but that's my vote. John? My vote's going for James Romain this, <clears throat> this time. Um, while he's not technically leading the league in tackles, he's the only player with three touchdowns returned so he's got three pick sixes right now uh next closest i believe only has one there's a couple guys that have one pick six uh i think he's going to make a strong case for defensive player of the year come the end of the season i agree i think i uh, this is i'm wondering what you guys think about this uh at the end of the year I think a lot of these awards are sort of given based on stats a little bit. I think so. Um, I think more, but, than, more than a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because in Romain's case, he's had some incredible plays this year. I yeah, mean, like you said, John, I mean, he's been absolutely amazing. And I think that you're not wrong. And I think that he's probably will win if he continues at this pace. But I think what's interesting is we've seen him be burned in like very critical situations yes, this year. It's true. Uh, that have That's shown true too. vulnerability that I don't know if that will actually go against him, but it may be harming his reputation in some way. Maybe, and I don't know if it's his personality and the burns are less extreme than they seem, and it's just his reaction. <laughs> it's only a first degree, not if only first degree burn, not a third, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But overall, I think he's been one of the most balanced defensive players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was looking at and it's tough. For me, it really was tough. I mean, he, Sykes is doing so well, as he said. Monty Lewis has been doing well. Remain's been doing well. Um, I think just at the moment, just because I don't think he would get the rookie of the year, um, but I, I'm actually looking at, at, at Albany, uh, uh, Albany uh, DB Tevin Homer. I mean, he leads, yeah. he, he leads the league in tackles. Pretty amazing. I mean, he's had a really good season, and he, you know, he he can light players up. He's had a lot of clutch, uh, you know, passes defended and some awesome picks. Yeah. So I I think that's that's an interesting choice. I mean, I, I, for me, I, I get I get what you're saying about Romaine, but it's it's not just it's just not necessarily how many how many picks and how many pick sixes that you may have had. Yes, they make you know they make for good uh, uh, highlights, but. A defensive player is well-rounded. It's just not a, a one-trick pony, so to speak. Not not saying Romain is, but I'm just saying, you, you know what I mean? It's 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 more than just one particular thing that a, that a defensive player would do. Um, for, um, where's my list here? Uh, let's go with now, um, um, let's go with a uh, wide receiver of the year, John. All right, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to have to say, hands down, it's no contest, and it's got to be Malachi Jones. Yeah, he's leading the league with an amazing, massive amount of yards, and so many yards that, in fact, the next closest receiver has 250 less yards than he does. And on top of that, he's averaging 40 more yards per game than the next closest receiver. 
Damn. And he's leading the league in touchdowns. I, it's no contest right there. It's got to be Malachi Jones. Yeah, there's there's no other way to look at it. I, I mean, I, I think, I th- yeah, I think we just sort of kumbaya on this. It's unanimous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's unanimous. Uh, let's go with um, um, rookie of the year. Yeah, I was wondering if th- is this going to be the other unanimous one? I I'm going know. Fabian Guerra here. I'm curious what you guys think about that. I'm thinking you're right. Oh, I wonder now what Tim thinks. Well, as I said, I think Kevin Homer is in the mix. For Interesting. This. I Tim. think he is in the mix. <laughs> yeah. But Are, oh, I, I, okay. Well, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think there really is anybody else who's made such a huge impact. No matter if they're currently winless. No matter if they're a, a team that's just come back or essentially an expansion club. But there really hasn't been anybody else. I mean, what what would you say? Would you also consider Grant Russell in that mix, though? I wouldn't. I mean, look, I, I, not, he, I am, you're I'm saying, a Grant basically Russell you're saying he's not, he, You're saying but, he's not like a Shane Carden. It's not, not, no, Grant no. Russell's not a Shane Carden. Unless he has some sort of flip, which I think through the middle of Shane Carden's rookie season, uh, I don't even know. Actually, we should listen to that, whether we thought that he was going to be rookie of the year. I yeah, think we, we probably picked him for it. But, I, think it I think at that point of the year, though, I think it was almost – Unanimous that I think that we had chosen to be rookie of the year. But right, anyway, we'll have to go back and check. Because he was just picking up steam at this point in the season, and so it's hard to look at Russell, who is now faltering at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, statistically, yeah, statistically, Russell is is not doing well compared to the rest of the quarterbacks. Right. So is it is it something he could be chosen for rookie of the year? As I don't think it could get my vote. That's I think it's fair. No, I think you guys are right, though. I think. I, what about um? What about a, a Desmond Epps? I think Desmond Epps is a little bit of a he smoke wasn't, show. He wasn't a one-game pony. <laughs> I mean, he's. I, I wouldn't say he's a bad receiver by any means. He's a great receiver, but his touchdowns aren't there. Right. That, yeah, no, he's been. A, I mean, I think. I think. Yeah, he's he had four one great. game, and that's been really or three right. one game, and then he's had two. Yeah, sons. he had that complete breakout game, and he's been really good this season. And I yeah, think we can't absolutely. discount that at all. But when you when you're holding him up against the standard of Fabian, it, mm. that's where it's like, how are you going to pick another receiver over him? Yeah, I see yeah. what you're saying. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, we will go with coach of the year. Before we go, before we go to the big one, I, I have a, I'm guessing we may be unanimous on this, but I'll start here. Um, I am going to go with uh, with Coach Keith in Albany because just right now the dominance at this, how dominant Albany is, uh, you know, with him as head coach, it's I think there's nobody really else that is close. I mean, I understand some of the other teams are three and three. I would give props to Coach James, um, but I think at least at the moment. Uh, for me, it would be Coach Keefe. Ben. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about it. Um, Benji is, a, you know, a, an interesting option here, but I think Keefe is just absolutely. He has his team at the highest energy of, and as that's something he's always been known for, obviously. But, but where where they're undefeated and they have this incredibly high energy, they are clearly the most prepared for every single matchup and have handled every single opponent. And game planned for every single opponent in unique ways that have essentially led to several dominating performances. I mean, it's hard not to pick him. I don't know, John. Are you are you on on the Keefe Club? No. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no. Actually, Whoa. Actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick Coach Keefe. Um, 
I think I think I'm going to pick Coach James, and I'm going to tell you why. Interesting. Okay. He's got a new team. He's been out of the league for a year. Teams at 500 right now. They haven't lost two games in a row. It's been back and forth. Sure, Keefe has got the Albany Empire at six and zero right now, but they're still on cruise control from last season. They know what they're doing. I think that he's well deserving of Coach of the Year, but I think Ron James has got a bigger task at hand, and he's doing a great job with his situation. The last two times that Coach James has won the won the Head Coach of the Year, 2017 he was ten and four, and in 2012 he was. 12 and 6. So, uh, it's currently at 3 and 3. I mean, if, if, if he were to run the table for the rest of the year or, or just lose one, maybe I'd give him consideration. But I, I still think that, that Coach Keefe is, I still think he's, he's head, you know, head and shoulders above at the moment. But you make some good points, though, John. You really do. Tim, what was your preseason prediction that no team will win? Uh, yeah, I'm getting close to that. How many games? How <laughs> many was it? I said nine. Nine? Okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. What <laughs> yeah, I said nine. <laughs> uh, and finally, guys, because it, obviously we're leaving out uh, Offensive Player of the Year and some of the others, so this this will be a very interesting choice. MVP. John, who at the moment, through six weeks of the AFL season, would you choose as your MVP? All right, this, this is actually going to shock you guys. My God. I'm going to go with Arvell Nelson. Interesting. He actually leads the league in passing yards. But not only that, he leads the league in rushing yards as well. Oh, snap. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He also has the longest rush. He has more passing yards than Tommy Grady. And if you combine his passing and rushing stats, he only has one less total touchdown than tommy grady Damn. sure sure tommy might have a better passing completion ratio but when you're able to run the ball and have a 32 yard rushing touchdown i think you're a much more exciting quarterback and you're more clutch you're more mvp if we were to say would you give tommy the offensive player of the year or would you be switching to like a to like a malachi jones type of thing because do you think tommy grady would be in the mix for any of the awards at the end of the season john i think he would absolutely be in the mix for offensive player of the year if we got to the end of the year and we start start picking players for more categories which we will yeah which we will yeah which we will i think he's going to be up there and who knows things may change you know the valor arvell may drop off yeah yeah ben your choice well, John, you just gave me a whole lot to think about, and I'm rereading. I'm rereading the Bible. I'm sort of reevaluating my life. I'm thinking about this from day one. Which which and, which version of the Bible are you reading? Oh, I'm in the Gideon in the hotel, okay. looking through the pages, <laughs> using them as rolling paper. So the, I think what's really interesting about what you said, and and what we need to think about in terms of MVP is who is the most valuable player to their team. So I was going to say Tommy Grady initially. And then when you started talking, I was like, well, maybe Malachi – I mean Malachi Jones is yeah. is the best to do it. <laughs> like he feels like he's on a completely other level. Right. But would Albany still be great you know, without him because they got Tommy and, and several other weapons? So I think Arvell – you've literally changed my mind. I think Arvell is is the MVP choice because he's so singular, singularly important to that offense in a way that – yeah, if Tommy Grady wasn't on the Empire, they would – 
they'd be downhill, but you know, maybe they could lose Malachi Jones, Quentin Sims, several other breakout players, and 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 it wouldn't be as big of a loss as Arval Nelson. So I think it's interesting to think of it that way. That's interesting. Yeah, that I, is. W- I will admit you you have made me look at it differently too. <laughs> wow. Cause, yeah, because I was I was leading to, uh, towards Tommy. I was I was looking at it too, but you, you made a lot of thought, but um, it made me think a, a lot about it. But um, uh, for me, and I understand what Ben just said, but uh, you know, you started talking about Arvell. You make a lot of sense, um, but I'm still going to go with Malachi Jones. As my current MVP. Okay. Yeah. I still, I think, I, so what's your so what's your rationale? Give like well, refute what I said about that. Okay. <laughs> my, my my thought is that my thought is this. I mean, I did think to be with all honesty. I mean, it's last year it was tough between Malachi and Joe Hills. So with them being on the same team, same team, they, they sort of complemented each other. Um, with Malachi having the show to himself this year. You know, even with all the I don't want to call them distractions, but the distractions of going to try out for the for the Titans, etc. Um, he's still been able to ball no matter what. He always shows up. He's always part of the offense. And uh, you saw what he did last week. I think just last week's game alone shows why Malachi Jones is the MVP of the league, at least for the first half of the, half of the season. Um, I, I mean, Arvell Nelson. After you, you sing what you did, John. Arvell Nelson's very close, dude. He's really close to to overtaking him. But I mean, I just think. I just think that the Malachi is the MVP uh, for the first six games of the year. Um, I mean, could they do it without him? I mean, uh, Quentin Sims is, you know, Quentin Sims, Colin Taylor. I mean, they, they have a, a, a great, great guys who are backing him up. I mean, we saw just this past week what Q can do, um, even though Malachi isn't included. But that, I think that's, that's the thing with Malachi is that he, may, he doesn't necessarily have to take and score every single touchdown. But yet you can also work him into the running game, which is what they did also. Right. I, th- I think it's safe to say, you know, that Malachi Jones would be the best player. But is he the most valuable player? It's fair. These, no, are, it's, these, it's are, fair. these are the philosophical questions yeah. we're now asking, boys. No, yeah. it's, it's fair. It's, it's true. Reading our Bibles and thinking hard. And this, <laughs> this brings me to a new thought. What's that? Uh-oh. Could you... Could you guys imagine a team that included both Arvell Nelson and Malachi Jones on its roster? The Quinn, Fabian, Guerra. Oh! Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but when you get into that type of situation— We are climaxing on AFL tonight. When you get into that type of situation, though, John, who would hurt the most? Because I don't know. Because, because uh, look, Malachi's because look, look, rushing look, game. Because look at what de- <laughs> look, look at look at what's, what's money. Money has been moved over, and we know how how strong money is at wide receiver. But because they had so many other guys that were they able there to back him up, they felt comfortable enough that they did not need his offensive output and put him to defense to help the defensive side. Unless there's still something we don't know. Hey, about. Unless there's still something that we don't know. That's true. Right. But no, but I still agree with you. I mean, to the fact where they even reassigned a player for that exact position so that money could play it. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? I mean, do you think we're wrong? Do you think we're right? Uh, do you think we're totally out of our minds? Let us know. Uh, you can uh, let us know on our multiple uh, social media accounts, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Those are all slash arena fan. Uh, you can also email me at tim.capitarenafan.com and make sure if you're gonna if you're gonna at the guys you can at them through that email uh and uh, we're curious to know what you think also head over to the message boards over at arenafan.com 
chime in. Uh, I think it's maybe a thread that we one of one of the three of us need to we need to create, <laughs> which we haven't done yet uh, as we're taping this show. Um, but let us know what you think. Who do you think uh, would be the best in these positions that we've that we've been talking about? Speaking of the best players. Boy, I really thought I had it last week, but John, you just you just totally killed everybody. Uh, DraftKings this week, uh, last week was a huge eye opener. I was totally wrong in some of these players, and you got it completely right, John. You've basically smoked everybody in the Arena Fan League. I mean, you you were before the end of the third, uh, before the beginning of this third game, you were already up. It was done. You you weren't you weren't gonna lose that game at all, John. You you just you killed it, man. You killed it. Yeah, man. I I guess uh, the formula or who I'm picking or or what's going right because now, you know, three out of the last four, whatever, most of the season now, first, second, third, fourth, second, first. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Hey, your Doug uh, McNeil was your you know your your right sneaky pick, man. That was the right pick. To yeah. Make. Uh, John ended up in first with 240 points. He was uh. Uh, 15, basically 15 points ahead of the next closest player. Uh, I just did absolutely horrible. I ended up in 17, uh, 17th place with only 141 points. I know Ben, you were busy, so we know you didn't, uh, you weren't able to. Well, I got zero points, so maybe feel a little bit better about that. Well, you weren't, well, <laughs> you, you weren't able to said you weren't able to, to put them in for obvious reasons. You were, you were busy. You were trying. Right. So, um, but for this week, Wow. We were talking about uh, Doug McNeil before the show began. And I know we've, compl- I can we've, if we've complained, I think it's just how shocking the amount that some of these players go up after they have a monster week. Doug McNeil, John, it happens to be one of those players where uh, his, his uh, um, uh, if you want to buy him, it could be a, a little bit more expensive to buy him this week. Yeah, a little bit too expensive, even. <laughs> <laughs> just a little, just a little. I think he went up. What did it say? Thirty six hundred bucks. He went up. It went up thirty six hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is just absolutely mind boggling. Um, let me get to my to my rosters here, and we'll, and we'll go over them. Um, I will admit, and it's funny. Somebody reached out to us and said, based on I think it was what you said, John, on your reasoning on why you picked uh, your your players. Uh, they had a pretty good week, and uh, in DraftKings for what I guess if they were in our league or in another league, but they said that you actually made a lot of sense in what you said, and it, it made them rethink of how they are going to choose their teams going forward. So, and they nice. paid off their mortgage as a result. Something, something. Nice. I will be able forever take credit for that in the history books. <laughs> and same, same thing. And I will admit too. Listening to the guys over at Arena Kings each week, their pod, they they have. A lot of insight, and uh, uh, I know there. We've mentioned it before, John, where they're going with multiple teams in different games, but it it's, can be a little bit tougher when you're always been used to just going with one one lineup. So, I mean, I will admit in the the three game one, I did I did better uh, in that three person league that we're in, John. I, I did a little bit better in that one than I did in, in our arena fan league. But um, Ben, being that you were out last week, and we'll, we'll go, might as well go ahead and start with you, sir. Uh, who did you choose as your captain for week seven? I took the man who's on fire, Quentin Sims. I was close to doing that too. <laughs> I, was, I mean, he's he's great value. At, oh, at, isn't he? At, I know. Uh, nine thousand nine hundred dollars for the for the flex player. I mean, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, that's really good value for you know he's been really hot the last three weeks. So I see that continuing. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I it was between him and the guy that I actually ended up choosing. Guys, I actually went with Lonnie Outlaw. 
Mm. And he was he was slightly. I only had to pay seventy eight hundred for him. Um, so I was I was quite happy with that. So I think I I got a good deal on that. John, who was your captain? I went with the rookie B.J. Bunn. I, he, yeah, I was thinking about nice. him too. He was seventy two hundred this week in the captain yeah. spot. My thought on him and the reason why I did not go with him is after I heard and saw that Washa was coming back. My thought was, who is going to be, quote-unquote, the odd man out on the wide receiving core this week? So I thought, don't want to try with Bunn. I know Outlaw, same team. I think even though Bunn had a monster game last week, I felt that Outlaw probably would, would score. I think I think will score a little bit better than Bunn, but, I mean, it's hey. And, and, you know, I don't think you're wrong. And the reason I put Bunn in the spot I put him in is so that I could pick up some nicer players for the Rats. Yeah, I had a feeling yep. you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Ben, what's the rest of your lineup, sir? I got Dan Raudaubau, uh Darius Prince, uh, Kendrick Ingus, uh, Randy Hipbeard, and Desmond Epips. Wow. I think it's a good squad. It's not, I didn't. That, you actually surprised me with your lineup. Did I? Well, I mean, you yeah. did. You really did, actually. Not, not just the way you read it, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, what about yours? Uh, let's see where we go here with this. We're going to go with Arvell Nelson once again. Yep, I seven, think this is seven, like. Seven straight weeks. Seven straight weeks. Nice. And then we've got Malachi Jones. We've got Darius Prince, Quentin Sims. And Milton Machiavelli Williams. Wait, who is your captain? BJ Bunn. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really good lineup. It is a good lineup. <laughs> and Thank for you. once, I actually chose my lineup, and I, actually quite, I was quite happy with why I was setting up my roster on the way home from work today on the bus. Uh, with Outlaw being my captain, I went with Malachi Jones. Nice. I had to go Tommy Grady again to do the double stack. I went with, and I had, I was thinking, you know what? I went with McNeil. I'm hoping not one week late, but I went with McNeil. Hippard, because I really think they're going to go off on Columbus. I know what you said earlier, Ben, but I think they're going to go off. Yeah, I mean, I take him. And I had to give him a double stack, so I went with Lamarck Brown. Discount double stack. I ended up with no dollars. Wow. I spent all 50 grand. Very cool. John, how much left? I've got 600 left. Ben? 300. Okay. Speaking of double stacks, I think I'm going to go to Wendy's after the show. <laughs> Hell yeah. Some square patties. Let's go. Let's do it. Dave's gotta, classic. Well, this is going to be really random. It, do you find that the Wendy's never frozen uh, patties are better than the what you guys currently have in the U.S. when it comes to the never frozen fresh patties at McDonald's? Which is better? Well, because I, I think Wendy's. I think it's not even close. Wendy's is way better. Okay, because I've not tried them. We don't have them here in Canada. The the fresh oh, stuff wow. from uh, at least they haven't brought them here yet. So I, you know, I'm a, I am a Wendy's guy. I would choose them for burgers anytime. Um, but so you you think there's no contest, guys, between the two? Personally, I think it's not even close. No? Well, yeah, I'm with Ben, and I'm not on the fast food tip like I used to be. Yeah. But I will say that. I have tried the McDonald's quarter pounder, the quote unquote newer ones that came out in the last year or two. Yeah, the fresh, yeah, the fresh ones, and those are actually decent when it comes to getting food from McDonald's. Okay, the yeah. ones here that I will omit for uh, for McDonald's here for us that I like are the Angus, the Angus burgers. 
Uh, okay. Because I think you get yes, they're a little bit more expensive, but you're you're thinking that you're actually eating a real patty, <laughs> right? <laughs> Compared to right. the yeah you know, small ones for the so why? Yeah, but Wendy's all day. Wendy's oh yeah, all, a lot all of, day. I would still interchange though. I would still interchange the fries with McDonald's. McDonald's yeah. are my jam. I their fries. There's yeah. no way I would go with anybody else. Maybe except for Five Guys. Five they guys. might put oh. a jam in your intestines. Yeah, I tell you. Hey. hey, Five Guys. I think is the closest. Potatoes up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh this, goodness! This part of the show is brought to you by Charmin. You know why you use it. Um, <laughs> I I like your I like how you your rosters guys. They're good. It, it's very interesting. And Ben. I just think you've just you totally floored me again. You, you totally went. I did not expect you going that direction. I really yeah. Didn't. It's it's a I, I I it's it's the first week I look at it and I really am concerned about my own performance <laughs> potential. But but I you know the the increased prices completely threw me crazy. and I sort of floundered in that new space. But that's I'm where, excited. You know, unfortunately, that's you know, as I've learned again from speaking you know, from hearing the guys over at Arena Kings, uh, their their pod on their podcast. They make a lot of sense stating that you need somebody that is you think will get you the points that has a good average, but yet they are a they're a, a price anywhere between four uh, before uh, anywhere. I think no more than I think more than between seven and eight thousand dollars in the captain spot. Right. Because then you can work with everything else. Right. And I think that's that's how I went at it this week. But I mean, hey, you never know. You maybe totally blow us out of the water this week. I'd love to blow you guys out of the water. Uh, okay. <laughs> So this week we actually have games on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Whoa! Yes. Yeah, something that oh, God, <laughs> hasn't happened, I think, in quite a good lord, guys. <laughs> Late. Oh man, uh, the uh, Atlantic City is going to be traveling to uh, Columbus to play to the Destroyers. The game is going to be all games are on ESPN three. This game will be also on Sport uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus and ABC six uh, in Columbus. Um, I know as we talked to, to Mark earlier, uh, I thought it was very interesting, and, and I, I don't remember you know bringing up the point that this is his return to the city, which I thought was really was really cool. Although I'm sure a lot of the fans from today didn't didn't know that Mark had actually played for the original Destroyers. Um, is, is it going to be? Unfortunately, is this going to be the same old same old band when it comes to to the Destroyers this week? I mean, do do they actually have? Have a chance. I mean, yes, the last two t- time these two teams played was in Atlantic City back on May fourth, and Columbus only lost by uh, only lost by seven points. Um, is it staying the same that way, or do you think it's it's going to be li- going to be worse this time around? Uh, I think it will be worse. I well, essentially at this point, have put all my faith on hold until I see something out of Columbus. Yeah. I had faith, and now I'm just okay. Well, you know, just show me something or don't because. Right now, it's just it's clearly Atlantic City is the team to, to pick here. John? Atlantic City is the pick. Um, Columbus has had some growth since last month. There's no doubt about that, and they've made some roster adjustments. But I, I've got to say that um, their only chance is that this is the week that Atlantic City should lose a game. No, they shouldn't lose the game, but they've won every other game since right. the season started. Mm-hmm. So their best chance is that this is the week that Atlantic City loses a game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I like that approach. Um I do also think that Atlantic City will win this uh will win this game. Um I think it would take a perfect 
a perfect game for Columbus to come away with their first win. Uh, sort of a combination between uh, of their how they played versus Washington two weeks ago, uh, with uh, no mistakes at all by the quarterback, um, and Fabian Guerra going off again. Um, I think that that's the perfect storm in, our, in order for them to win this game. But I don't. I really don't see it happening. Uh, Massey has uh, Atlantic City currently favored. At uh, two and a half points, obviously, once the, the lines for five dimes and for DraftKings comes out, we will try to get them out to you as quickly as possible. Um, once we talk to the next game, I'll, I'll say this, but I think what is funny is that, well, no, this is relating to the game. What's funny, guys, is that Massey currently has Columbus at a better percentage of winning this game than they put Baltimore beating Albany. Basically, right, 30... Columbus has a better chance of winning this game. Yeah. Than Baltimore at Baltimore Albany. So, and Albany. Massey has Columbus at a thirty-nine percent rate of beating Atlantic City. That's wild. And Baltimore at a seventeen percent chance to beat wow. Albany, which I am actually very surprised about. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily fair. As I'm we very... segue into this game, I think that's a bizarre tilt. Yeah, bizarre. Uh, tilt. I don't. I don't know why, you know, the teams haven't met this year, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And that may be causing that, like, it's anomaly. Possible. It's possible. Because I don't really see how you could, I mean, I, look, I still am going to pick Albany to win this game. But yeah. I, I love Baltimore's defense. And I think this, you know, if Shane Boyd has a great game, they actually have a semblance of a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the streak is probably going to snap at some point, and And Baltimore is a team geared for, to, to stifle this kind of attack. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, the game is going to be on uh, NBC Sports Washington and My Four in Albany. Uh, the game will be at seven thirty on Saturday. I know I didn't mention this a couple weeks ago when it occurred, but it makes I, I wonder uh, which lids are, are Baltimore going to be wearing? Uh, their white ones, or their are their pretty slick blue ones? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I think they should only wear the blues with the blues. Mm. I don't think blue on white is going to be good. the same effect. Good. It'll probably look good, but I really like the icy Baltimore look. Yeah. The all whites. So I think those are really cool. You so, like the uh, ones with the waves, though, because as you're mentioning. Uh, on the, the waves are the best, the, Tim. Yeah, the original. Where uh, are those? They were nice. They were nice. They were I awesome. want They're unique. Yeah, they had, they had more, 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 uh, more possessed. It was a brand. It was a character. It yeah. wasn't just putting a logo on the side of a helmet. It was creating a vibe. Yeah. And I don't know. Where the, they got rid of it within like four weeks or something. Very, uh, very Portland, New Orleans, Austin yes. Breaker-ish yeah. from the USFL. Yes. Very cool. Um, I said Albany comes in uh, at six and zero. Oh, Baltimore comes in at three and three. This is the only team so far that Albany uh, has not played this year. Uh, same thing with Baltimore, obviously. Um, they this over. Would you believe, guys? The overall season, the overall series series between these two teams is tied at two. Each I was team, just looking at that. Yeah, each team is split. At home, so it's two and two each way. Uh, they've sorry, they've won at each. Uh, I'm looking at this. One's one at, at home. One's one at the road. So this is this is a very interesting, very interesting uh, thing to see here. So, um, I, 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 you know, these two guys, these head coaches, have been in the league for quite a long time, whether it be player or by coach. Um, what's uh, what's your thought, John, on this matchup? I think Baltimore has a good chance to come in and be a disruptor in this matchup. More so uh, than D.C.? More so than D.C. Uh, just because Baltimore's a grittier, dirtier, get down in, in the dirt and get it done kind of team than mm-hmm. D.C. is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that 
they have what it takes to beat Albany. They just have to play a really good game to do that. They they everyone's got to make a play when it counts. No no lazy play if they want to beat Albany. Yeah. I uh, my only concern for Albany is that you know as I said they were up by 25 points last week what and what we thought was a dead DC team and and how DC roared back. Um coach Keith needs to make some changes and some modifications on the defensive side because uh, we know Baltimore can score. They have the weapons to do so. They, I mean, they, they may not necessarily be the names that you'd expect, but they do have some very, you know, their wide receiver core is very well-rounded. And obviously, Joe Hills is, is searching to become, uh, you know, one short of the century mark in his, uh, in his streak. Um, you know, Ben, we were talking last week on how over the past four weeks uh, that Joe Hills really has been held, quote-unquote, in check uh, at the wide receiver, but last week sort of a change with the two rushing touchdowns. From what you've seen, Ben, because we weren't able to ask you last week, is Joe Hills the same? Because ever since he he was he pulled up lame and had that hammy injury, uh, I think he's definitely injured. Um, I think that he is playing through an injury right now. I don't know exactly what's motivating him to do that at this age. Um, the you know, though, well, he cannot play, and the streak won't be broken. That's, That's the beauty too. of the streak. That's true too. Um, but he did not, especially two weeks ago, he just looked injured. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he wasn't targeted very frequently in that game. And I think it's, it, I don't know. I would hate to see him just go down. I would rather see Hills take a couple games off, um, and sort of be ready for the stretch because I believe Baltimore will make the playoffs. So I think it's not worth burning him right now. Uh, a potential catastrophic injury is not worth it in the middle of a six team season. So, yeah. And I, I don't know, guys. I I just saw him a couple days ago in person, and he seems to be pretty healthy. I don't know if it's necessarily him that's the setback. More so, might it be Shane Boyd? Well, uh, I would say so, too. I just mean his physicality looks... He looks injured. I mean, uh, okay, like well, the Shane more Boyd, diminished Shane Boyd than is usual. Still, is still Jekyll and Hyde. I'm sorry, <laughs> right? And that's what I'm saying. That's a, that's affecting Joe Hills in oh, a sense definitely. as well. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, for that's sure. that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, yeah, because for Joe to have a, only a single receiving touchdown out of three of the last four weeks, where during his streak he hardly had any at all, any single game touchdown games. Um, by the way, John and Ben, do you think the placing of Demetrius Stevens on IR for Albany makes all that big of a difference? I think he was a legitimate threat as a returner. Yes, um, I, I think he was offering a good checkdown option, but they have so many threats at receiver. It wasn't really a factor there. Who will they do you for know, returning? I, I think but Colin, Colin Taylor? Yeah, they think? have Colin Taylor. So, I mean, I was just going to bring up Colin Taylor because— you know, I think I would like to see him featured more in the passing game. He's been, and, yeah, he's been very underutilized for at least for the yeah. past two seasons, two or three seasons. Yeah, right. absolutely. yeah, he used to. I mean, there, you know, when he was on the Gladiators, mm-hmm. when Arvell was throwing to him, it was like this guy was, you know, he was a number one. So, uh, and he was with Sims back then, too. That's true, too. Yeah. And that was a great duo. So, uh, you know, I think this might at least give him an opportunity to shine a little bit more. Do you guys see any. Uh, can you see anything into the Baltimore picking up a wide receiver Maurice Morgan this week, or is it just just another name that they're bringing in? Because they didn't. The only person that they put on recallable reassignment. It's funny we were talking about him earlier before they put Lenroy Naismith on recallable reassignment. Guess not. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, I I saw those transactions. I inputted those tracks transactions. Yeah, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I don't really know what's up with that reassignment for Naismith. I mean, he was just picked up 
two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, and Philadelphia also dropped him. Mm-hmm. So this Maurice Morgan, yeah, that's a good question. Do we know much about him other than him going to North Carolina State? I haven't had a chance to look up his stats. And I don't remember if he was with the club during training camp or not. Right. I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe they feel... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not like... Maybe um, they feel they're wide receivers still. Uh, you know what? We have one more day that they can do transactions. Baltimore can do transactions. Because we know there won't be any more as far as, unless it's an emergency kicker, there won't be any transactions for the game for Friday. And there won't be any practice reports. There will be one more practice report. So we'll see. Maybe Tomorrow, there's something... Yeah. Maybe I mean for remember Hip took Hipper took uh took he didn't practice at all yesterday, but that's the seems to be the norm for some of the players where they won't practice at all the first day, but then the next day they'll right. they'll go you know they'll go gangbusters. So I don't know. It looks like it's gonna be a great week, guys. Though that that's that's all that matters. Um, it seems to be you know even though still the lead with the the scoring basically staying flat, it's about the same as it was you know through 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 six weeks last year. Um, so add an 11 point clip, but the thing is, if we can get, and I think you said this earlier, Ben, is that if we can get more games like the Albany game was, right. uh, where we can get back to what seemed to be like real arena football, then I, I think this week's game, oh, I think all, I honestly, I think all week, all the games this week actually have that chance. Yeah. They have that potential. They really do. A lot of these games can be high scoring games. As long as Columbus doesn't just lay an egg. I don't think they will. I don't think I they not. will. I, I sincerely I, hope they don't. I, I, I said, I know they're 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 chomping at the bit to get a get the, their first win since '08. Right, right. So um, I don't. Yeah, know. there's definitely a a threshold I think where that becomes frustration and counterproductive. Like there's the we got to get our first win motivation, mm-hmm. and then there just becomes like the morale of the entire team falls apart. And I hope that doesn't happen here. No, so I we'll agree. I, I I completely agree with you. Um, did the, uh, real quickly before we go, guys, what's your thoughts on the defensive player of the week? The souls, the defensive back towards Jones got the, uh, got the defensive player of the week. Any that pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that picture that pick in that picture, man. Oh, that was amazing. speaking of Iconic. Philadelphia, did we did not cover that game just now? We didn't, but I figured in lieu of oh, this I, crossing no, no. two we, hours. <laughs> oh no, no, we were we were still go, we were still talking about it. I said I just it just happened to come across, and it was leading into being it. Jones was the defensive player of the week. It was leading into that game. So crafty, Tim, don't crafty. Die, don't die. Uh, last game of the week on Sunday will be uh, the Washington Valor playing the Philadelphia Soul. The game will be on NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus and NBC Sports Washington Plus. Uh, this is already the eighth time that these two teams have met. Uh, Philadelphia has dominated the series six to two, um, but Washington has won the last two of three. Uh, Washington has uh, never won in Philadelphia. With them getting Washa back, um, don't know what's going to happen with money. Um, has the team finally have, has Coach Dozo righted this ship? Are they or are they just going to continue to be a, a 500 club for the rest of the season, Ben? I think that they have righted the ship, and I think there's always a potential, like I was saying, for Philly to sort of show up and be classic Philly. Mm. Um, although I will say in this case, despite Washington losing last week, what we saw from Washington toward the end of that game was inspiring. I mean, it was it was okay. This team is capable of this, and we've seen that uh, several times this year from them. And I think if if there's any opportunity for Washington to just go guns out, 
again, and and especially they must be pissed off from last week. You know, there's a there's an opportunity for motivation to really kick them into gear, and mm-hmm. I think they have a really good chance of winning this game. Yeah, yeah, uh, John. Yeah, I think Washington has a great chance of winning this game. I know Philly just snapped their losing streak and they're playing at home, but Washington's playing at the level or nearly at the level mm-hmm. that Albany is. Yes. And that's that's Le- a scary. Less, the, Col- a, less yeah. the Columbus game. Less the Columbus yeah. Less game. the Columbus game. Most of this season, Washington's a scary force to deal with, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, no, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think it's very interesting too. That, I mean, they're able to get McNeil now into the broad thing. He's only two games in from being released from Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, he seems to be as you know, he seems to be as if uh, as if he's been there the entire season. Uh, despite um, you know, big play Reggie Gray getting uh, ejected two games ago, big play was right back into the mix this week. So they got it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I'm, I actually can see Washington winning winning this game and and winning it easily. Ooh, I like the fire, Tim. John, I mean, do you do, you, do you, how do you see do you see Washington winning, Philly winning? I mean, it's uh, Massey has currently Philadelphia favored by two and a half. By the way, I did forget the uh, for Albany. Massey has Albany favored by nine and a half over Baltimore. But what, what's your what's your thought on on who do you think is going to win this game, John? I think Washington's going to win this game, save an amazing James Romaine pick six, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then some some messed up fumbles or you know some bad play. Um, it it could very likely be a shootout from. Oh, I was both about to teams. say yeah, this game could yeah. easily be in the be in the mid to high fifties, even higher. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I think that's what I'm hoping to see out of this game. Um, and as you're saying, John. Arvell, in the past, uh, he had sort of a history of inconsistency, and I think this is his best season in terms of consistently great games. Um, he has had a few games this year with picks, but uh, if any team is going to exploit that, it's going to be James Romain and company with Strap City. So that is, you know, maybe his greatest adversary, and we'll see what happens. But you know, we <laughs> watched on Columbus's field on that iPhone. As uh, as Columbus, <laughs> or as uh, as DC previously tore a game from Philly and burned Romaine, so I'm sure they're real pissed. And I think this game has. I mean, I love that these games are all divided like this oh, yeah. because it gives a much better opportunity to really sit down and watch them. Because I think all three of these matchups have great potential, and particularly this one for just being a classic AFL game. Oh, yeah, I feel like this could be the quote unquote game of the week. Yeah, definitely. I agree totally. Yeah, I actually I I'll agree with you on that one. I'll agree with that with with uh, probably putting the uh, uh, the Albany Balter game a a, a a distant a distant second, but it's yeah yeah uh, yeah yes. Um, just to follow up and to finish that, uh, the uh, offensive player of the week went to Tommy Grady. No surprise there. Yep. But, but I mean, we would you give it to anybody else, guys? No. No. Um. Let me check one thing. <laughs> I want to say I'd give it to Arvell Nelson. <laughs> but let me check before i i confirm that (laughs) no i'll give it to tommy grady this week (laughs) okay (laughs) um we want to all quickly mention we mentioned that the uh uh the baltimore has you know where they're gonna what helmets they'd worn also just want to mention that the philadelphia soul this week are going to be having their um uh, having what is it their um uh, military appreciation night and they're yeah. going to be breaking out their all black uh somewhat camo jerseys uh, 
and it look they look pretty nice. If you haven't seen them, head over to our social media account, and you can uh, you can see what they look like uh, what they look like there. Um, other than that, uh, guys, uh, any particular plans you got for this weekend? I mean, John, you're, it seems you're on a somewhat hiatus for the uh, for the blackjacks until they return home. Uh, guys, anything planned? Going to a wedding in Pittsburgh. Uh, getting sort of dragged around happily by my uh, Goyle friend. So I actually am not going to be able to watch any of these games live, but I will try to catch them on ESPN. The tray. Nice. <laughs> the tray. The tray. Actually, speaking of trays, Ben. Yo, speaking go, of trays. <laughs> go to Primanti Brothers and get a sandwich while you're in Pittsburgh. Oh, dude, you know I might. All right. You All know right. I might. <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to skip on up to Philadelphia. Nice. And uh, take some photos. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I, nice. You doing I it haven't, for yourself or for our Via the League? For Arena Fan, Tim. Nice. What's that? Uh, oh. it, it's uh, <laughs> it's a site that's been around for like 21 years. Oh damn! I check that out. Uh, but yeah, I figured I hadn't I hadn't seen Philly this year yet, okay. so I wanted to I wanted to make that happen. By yeah, the way, I, I wore my uh, my quarter zip Arena Fan uh, Phenom Phenom Elite uh, shirt today to work because it's just a, a touch cold here. Well, touch cold. It was like uh, it was chilly. It was chilly here in Montreal, and and I go to uh go to the the cafeteria and uh, my colleague goes uh sorry are you are you uh uh you expecting to be have any more uh, uh advertisers on your on your shirt i go what i, I didn't catch <laughs> on at first because I, I forgot the phenom was across it too it's like oh no, yeah no, no. i said no i don't plan on being a nasc uh being a, a nascar driver anytime soon but you know anything's possible so. <laughs> <laughs> well delivered <laughs> Yes. Good narrative. Thank you very much. Thank you. So is that what you're doing this weekend too? Uh, more um, office no, it, banter? No, it's funny. My, or... thing, my thing is to, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go sell myself. Uh, to what? Get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this weekend, uh, it's my mom's birthday. Aww. And we're going, going out for lunch for my mom's birthday. Uh, my CFL season starts tomorrow night on Thursday. Oh, wow. The, the preseason uh, will start. So, uh, my other football season starts, so, um, but yeah, not, nothing else planned. It's supposed to be a very, it's supposed to be a really nice weekend in Montreal. That's all that matters. It's just been unseasonably cold here. It's been stupid. Finally, we're getting into normal days with multiple days in the seventies. So I'm happy about that. So pretty good. Yeah. So guys, be safe. Uh, have fun with whatever you're doing, and to you, the fans, enjoy the games this week because it looks like we have quite a quite a few good matchups. Uh, available to us on the on the tube this weekend. So for everybody here at AFL tonight, for John Stark, for Ben Fraternale, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net. <laughs>